Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. Welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I am Dale Luganville. Welcome to your weekend recap and rant. Uh, before I get into the rant, giving a little commercials, some free ones out to uh Minnesota Made Outdoors, which, you know, is a little self-serving because I'm part of the league. However, it's not because what I'm trying to do is move these buffs. So if you don't know, if you're new to the show, first, hey, thanks, welcome. Uh, If not, you've heard me talk about it already. Definitely heard me talk about it when I was doing that live ice fishing show with uh, SmackDown Outdoors and the Lone Angler Outdoors. But, so Minnesota Made Outdoors has partnered with Hometown Heroes Outdoors, which is a great organization, getting vets out into the outdoors, uh, active uh, military and law enforcement personnel into the outdoors. That's a great, just a phenomenal organization, and it's a great way for Minnesota Made to give back. And that's what I'm trying to do is help give back because they made some of these pretty kick-ass buffs. I think they look pretty awesome. Um... I got like the American, kind of American flag, but in like gray and then a green stripe and a camel stripe and a blue stripe. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, you can check those out at minnesotamadeoutdoors.com or you can go onto their Facebook site, Minnesota Made Outdoors, and check them out. They're selling them two for, tw- or two for 20, $8 shipping and handling, and 100% of those proceeds go to Hometown Heroes Outdoors, which is awesome. And then while you're there at their website, Check out the other apparel they have. It's cool stuff. Um, get some last-minute Christmas gift ideas for the fam. They got women's apparel, too. And so with the buffs, 100% of the proceeds go to Hometown Heroes. With the other apparel, they're giving away, um, or they, I should say they're donating 50% to Hometown Heroes. So it's a great cause, a uh, good way to get some gifts. So check it out. As, as, long, as far as the buffs are concerned, I'm just I'm hoping that we sell out of those so that we can the whole point was to sell those and be able to uh, present hho a really a really nice check so get on it people let's uh let's sell those things out i would appreciate it all right that's it that's your real commercial so for this weekend's recap and rant doing something different uh i'll try to keep everybody up to date with what was going on here I, i guess you know what let's tease you a little bit I went south, for those not 
paying a lot, paying attention on uh, my social medias. So it's not going to be a surprise for anybody that follows me on Snapchat or or even uh, Facebook or Instagram. But I went south for a little adventure, about about as far south as I can go and still be in America. Um, but before we get to that, I do I see that everybody has you know. Speaking of social media, I see everybody has been hitting the early ice. And you don't have to go nearly as far north now um, to find said ice. In fact, when I left for my little trip, it was pretty warm. Uh, there was some ice we found, but you, you, know, you, you, had, to, you had to go north a ways. Uh, when I returned, it was 20-some degrees. <laughs> I think we've been making some ice. It feels more December-like than when I left. Ah, uh, which is definitely more like uh, October. It was like in the 50s. It was nice. But I'm ready for cold weather, ready to get some good ice and get this ice fishing started uh, season going. So anyways, I started seeing some people out there. And uh, my partner, Joel, he hit the ice this weekend um, and did some pretty, looked like he did some pretty fun stuff. They, uh, he said to kind of pick some random spots on the map some uh, lakes, ponds, whatever, in the woods and struck out to see if they could find some fish. Uh, They went through a few batteries, drilling a shit ton of holes, I guess, because, and when you don't have much ice, that's saying something. That is a lot of holes uh, to finally find some fish. I think he said the first lake they tried didn't really have anything. It was deep, but they didn't really find anything. They went to the second lake, and they were uh, able to find some fish. Uh, He sent me a picture of a pretty nice crappie. So that was that looked like it was a lot of fun. Those are my kind of adventures. So I missed that, which is unfortunate. But I can't be in two places at once because I was down in Texas. I went down to Galveston, Texas, and I met up with uh, Real Men Fishing Charters, Captain Derek, and I was it actually worked out pretty good. So I had uh, I've been talking to them for a while uh, by uh, email, correspondence, email, and just going to collaborate with them and see if they'd be interested in um, doing a, a podcast. And then we're like, I want to just come down there in person and we can do it. And it was awesome. So that's what I did. And uh, so we set it up. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to like impede on their actual business, you know, so I kind of took like a, I don't know if I want to call it a swing shift. It's like, I'll take the second half. I don't start early in the morning. So booked, uh, they're doing like four hour trips. So I did the second one. It was like middle day. And he had a, I got to the docks, and peop, they were cleaning the fish. It looked like they had a great morning. I mean, it, they had a shit ton of fish they were cleaning. And they were cleaning flounder. So when I first set this up, I kind of thought, I knew Galveston was like known for sharks. Uh, turns out, not really a time for it. Um, it's cold water. It's much like when I go to the South, South Carolina, uh, either late fall or, or winter. Once the bait leaves, the sharks leave, and I don't know. I just kind of thought maybe it wouldn't be that way because a little further south and it's on the Gulf. I don't know. I'm just speaking out of ignorance. I didn't know. So um, kind of one of the reasons going down there is to, to learn a new area, learn a new fishing culture, and and that's uh, that's pretty much what I did. <laughs> so in talking to them, what they were going after, and I thought, okay, okay, maybe we'll be going for bull reds or something like that. It's like, nope, those weren't really in either. Those had already left. And a new black drum could be a possibility. And they're like, well, there's some around. There's not a ton around. There's just not a lot of bait. And uh, I said, oh, what they're fishing for is flounder. I was like, oh, well, all right. Well, I've never really specifically targeted flounder before. Um, but it wasn't so much about the fish for me anyways. It was making this connection and um, getting new and different content for the show. So that was my first and foremost um, goal and definitely did that. Uh, had a great sit down with him after we fished and that podcast will be released uh, this Thursday. So stay tuned for that. You're going to love it. This dude, Captain Derek, could easily have his own podcast. That dude knows how to talk. Uh, he's fun to listen to because he's a pretty funny guy. He also has this like... Uh, Cajun. He's from Louisiana, but he's in Galveston, which isn't that far, but like Louisiana accent and Texas accent are totally different, so he's kind of got a little bit of a mix, and that Cajun definitely comes out from time to time. Uh, makes it pretty 
pretty unique voice to listen to, uh, and he's a cool guy anyway, so stay tuned for that. Anyways, I shall continue. Um, so I get there, and, you know, kind of waiting around, and they, they clean all the fish, and they clean the boat, get it ready for the next group of people, going through all the COVID protocols, and um, nobody else is coming. It's I'm just standing there on the dock. <laughs> so basically got a private charter so that was i mean that was pretty cool so it ended up just being captain Derek, his first first mate Vinny, and myself and so we hop in the boat and he kind of tells us what we're gonna go do we're gonna go catch some flounder i'm like all right sweet let's do it um it's like fishing was pretty good we limited out blah 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 blah. so we get he's got like this big boat twin 175s on the back so i'm like all right we're getting to make a getting ready to make a big run you know it's like all right settle in it's be cool haven't been on salt water in a while and miss it this is awesome so we get out we leave the leave the harbor okay start angling off the left get up on a plane look around a lot of industrial stuff you know there's lots of industrial stuff there's a couple oil platforms and, and there's just big machinery everywhere it's pretty cool and then you come off plane and he starts to turn in. He's like, well, there's a spot right there. And you look in, there's a little cut. And at the end of it, there's a restaurant right there. And it's outside seating and everything else. And there's, like, two boats that are, like, parked right off, like, the seawall of this restaurant. And apparently, that's the spot. <laughs> it, was, it was, what, a five-minute boat ride? <laughs> it was not was not what I was expecting. But I'm like, uh, all right. I, I guess I never really I guess you don't have to go that far for, for uh, flounder. You know, I didn't, I didn't book him for a, uh, a boat ride. So, <laughs> so let, let, let's go fishing. He was a little irritated because the spot he was fishing was like as you come up to the restaurant was to the left, and there was another boat in there and like slipped in as soon as he left because he was catching fish there. I mean, they limited out. Uh, I can't remember how many people on his boat, but he had, he had there was quite a few people on the boat, so they they caught a lot of fish. And uh, apparently the other boat wasn't catching too many fish. So as soon as he left, he slips out. And, and so Captain Derek's just like, yeah, this is so what happens here. It gets to be a pretty popular spot. People slip in here. And he's like, well, we'll just slide over here. Maybe if he leaves, we can we can take that spot or whatever. So we go to the right of it. And, uh, you know, I kind of talked to him like, you know, I'm, I guide back home in Minnesota, fish for a long time, and and I go through this every time I take a trip with somebody that I want to let them know that I'm an experienced angler without coming across as like a know-it-all or like douchey or whatever. Um, so kind of a very casual conversation about that. And I said, you know, I just want to like go fishing. You show me like the technique here and the tackle and stuff like that. And then once I kind of get up on my own, like, this could be an easy trip for you because all you have to do is sit back and relax. I don't want you baiting my hook. I don't want you taking my fish off for me. Um, like, I just, I'm here to fish with you, you know. And um, and I can always see, like, the doubt and questions on people's face when I when I bring that up. Uh, but he was pretty cool. He accepted it very well. And uh, I think he just, you know, kind of keeps one eye on me as I'm doing my thing right out of the gate. But with that said, this is a different style of fishing. I've never fished for flounder. So I'm sure there's different techniques and, and stuff like that. And there definitely were. So I listened to him. And he was like, well, what do you want to do? You want to um, fish with artificials? You want to fish with live bait? Then, um, of course, I said artificials. Because why not? Why not go for the hardest <laughs> <laughs> the hardest one, but that's what I enjoyed. That's what I enjoy doing. I'm like, whatever, I'll try it. You know, if I don't get anything in the first hour, then I'll I'll switch over to live bait. That's not a big deal. And um, he he was like, yeah, normally we don't. We'll just you know, people that don't have much experience, we just here's what you do. You know, we hand them a rod and it's baited up, and this is how we're fishing and whatever. He's like, but I want to let you go. We're gonna do your thing. And uh, so he sets me up. It's just a you know, a route on spinning line, uh, pretty heavy, pretty heavy line, uh, high viz. Um, he's like, with flounder, that's not really a problem. Like, you know, he used to use, like, smaller fluorocarbon and stuff like that. But it's just not needed with flounder, I guess. Like, they're not really line shy. 
and they live on the bottom, so they're next to all the structure and stuff. And he's like, and you just end up breaking off more fish. It's just not, it's just not worth it. You know, like if we were going for trout or something that's more line shy, then you know he'll break out like the fluorocarbon leaders and stuff. But you don't need it for those. So it's the line setup was was fairly beefy, um, and it was just a a jig, and then he put a white gulp shrimp on there, and then showed me like how to you know he's like gonna cast it out and then cast here and here he's he's obviously fished this spot a lot he's like cast between here and here or anywhere to the left of here don't cast over here because it's a ton of snags down there you'll just get caught up um it's like that seawall you know stop a few feet from the seawall because there's a big like bar down there you get on the back side of that you're gonna get snagged and then over here you're, you know he, he just was kind of laying it out for me which was great and i didn't end up getting snagged uh on anything or losing any bait so that was cool uh that's definitely good information to have and then you know he's like there's a couple ways you can work it you just uh either like drag it really slow along the bottom or you can like really slowly reel it but the whole point was like keep the lure as close to the bottom as you can in the strike zone as much as you can because if you're not familiar with flounder they're the the flat ones. They're white on one side, camouflage on the other. They got the two eyes on the top of their head. Um, so they sit on that bottom. They're an ambush predator. And so that's that was kind of the thing. Like, all right, that makes sense. But the thing, the important thing that he told me that I was like, all right, that's some good information to have. What's it was even though we weren't trolling, it was kind of like Lindy rigging for walleyes in that when you get the bite, he's like, don't set the hook right away. A lot of times they just they just grab it and like they, they swim away or they don't have the hook. They might just have the tail of the plastic or um, he's like, I've had them, you fight them. And because when they clamp down their mouth, they just like, that lure can't really move. Like they're flat and they just like pinch it. And he's like, a lot of times you don't even get a hook in their mouth. Like you'd be fighting them, like you have them hooked and then you get them up to the boat and they'll open their mouth and that hook just flies out. Like it never actually wasn't able to slide and hook into their actual mouth so he's like what do you want to do you feel that thump just open your bail and let them you know he's like you can even put it down on the rod holder and wait you know keep count to five whatever and then pick it up and then take your slack and then set the hook so i was like well that's good to know so that's what i was doing i was reeling around and I think they, yeah, so they caught, they caught a couple, they were using, so Captain Derek and Vinny were using, um, they were using live bait, and their live bait rig consisted of, um, it's just like a dropper weight with a hook, I don't know, tied up about, let's say eight inches on a loop, and then with the hook, and then, uh, then a live shrimp hooked through the tail, and you pretty much just throw that out there and leave it, that's a sit and wait kind of presentation, and they, they were catching a couple, and then uh, shortly, wasn't too long. It didn't take me too long uh, to catch my first fish and um, go along. And I felt that thump. And it was a pretty good thump. This wasn't like the light walleye pickup of like a little tap. I was like, what was that? No, it was like a, it was a good thump. And I, my first instinct was definitely to set the hook. But I was like, oh. And so I just opened the bale. I could see he was like taking some line. I just let him take some line. Close the bail, reel down on it. I see my lines like he he still has it, like it's starting to get tight. He's he's moving it. I'm not reeling down to him. He's this this fish has got the bait and he's moving off. So I let it kind of almost get tight and then I set the hook and fish on. And it feels like a good one. Of course I don't I don't have anything to base this on, like what's a good flounder, what's a little flounder for this area or, or anything. I've never specifically targeted flounder before. I think I've accidentally caught them fishing for reds in the Carolinas, but I honestly don't remember if I caught them or if just people in the boat that I was with caught them. So this is still, what was cool about this was I was considering it either way, like checking a new species off the list because I know I'd never, I've never purposely gone. I've never targeted, specifically targeted flounder. So this was definitely going to be a check off on the list so i didn't know what to expect and they have dude they're pretty good fight i mean which shouldn't be too surprising the way they're built flat like that and they want to stay on the bottom you know and then even if you get them sideways you're pushing all that you know water resistant back 
Uh, so it's pretty pretty dang good fight, and there is a video of it. We'll have to post that later. And again, those are watching me on um, Snapchat. You saw it. I did I did a fair amount of uh, Snapchat videos of not so much of me catching them, um, but I would you know when Derek Captain Derek and Vinny would hook up, I would I would film them. But anyways, so I'm reeling this thing up, and Captain Derek, he's like, oh, that's a good one. That's, he's just getting all excited, which gets everybody else excited. And, that, and I think that's what makes him a really – one of the things, I should say, that makes him a, a great captain because you can – it's times like that you can tell that, like, he thoroughly enjoys this. Like, it's not an act. Like, he's just getting fired up. And uh, he's like, oh, my – and then he, we got a glimpse of it, and it was a pretty good one. It was bigger than what they were catching with the live bait for sure. And – Vinny grabs a net, and we get it in, and uh, he's like, oh, my God, that thing's huge. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, this, he's like, I mean, he's like, yeah, this is like, this is over 20. This is a good one, over 20 inches. Like, this is, so we get it in. He was just pumped up, high fives all around the boat, and uh, he's like, man, that that's awesome. That's, you know, so we get a good picture with it, and um, so we keep fishing, and they hook. They hook up a couple more times, and we start, and boom, he gets another big one, you know. Or Vinny gets a big one, and we're just, we're catching. He's like, and he starts, to, like, losing his mind. He's like, I can't believe this. You know, he's like, this is this is unbelievable. It's like, you must be good luck because we don't, it's not, he's like, you know, we went out, we limited out this morning. He's like, the fishing was good, and we wanted to be over there where that other boat was, but they slipped in, and now we're over here, and we're watching them, and they're, you know, they're hardly catching anything, and they're hooking up left and right where we're at, and they're just biting down those shrimp. And it got to one point where he's like, because they had caught a few fish and I had just caught that one. Uh, but in my mind, I was good. Like, I, I caught I caught the species I was here for. I didn't really intend to keep any fish because I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with them? You know, so it's like catch and release in my mind. Um, well, I'm going to put the, let's see. I, I don't want to get too far ahead of me in the story. So let's just, okay, I wasn't planning on keeping anything. Uh, but we did end up keeping some. I'll tell you why later. So keep. He's like, you ready to go to live bait yet? And I was like, no, nah, dude. This is. I'm good. Like <laughs> this is fun. I, I I know I can catch them on artificials, so I'm gonna stick with artificials, and I don't need to catch 50 of them. You know, I'm fine with with what I'm doing. And I honestly was having like the most fun watching them catch fish, knowing that as a charter, it's not often that they get to fish like for fun like just pressures off you know they could just enjoy it so i was really enjoying filming them catch fish and helping them net fish and so that was all completely worth it to me um it just became three dudes fishing on a boat like this it it quickly was not like a charter it was it was awesome i had a ton of fun and i ended up catching a a smaller one later took a little bit and then the bite kind of died down uh, for me, for sure. Uh, but even for them with the live bait. And uh, the interesting thing, though, too, is that, you know, the other boat was watching us catch fish. And and Captain Derek, you know, he's like, well, what are you using? And he was using mullet. And I guess earlier in the morning, that, that guy had some mullet. And he had offered Captain Derek some. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll take some mullet. Because I guess generally that's like the... The really good bait to have, a nice, fresh, lively mullet. Um, that obviously weren't really hitting them that day because uh, they weren't catching very many fish in the spot that Captain Derek wanted to be. But they were hitting shrimp. And he was going to get some mullet from them that morning. And then I can't remember what he said. He said he he wanted like eight bucks a dozen or four them or something like that. And Derek's like, whatever, no, dude, I'll pass. <laughs> he was trying to price gouge him a little bit. Um, so he's like, nah, I'm good. And then turns out we didn't need anyways. That wasn't what they were biting on that day. They were biting on the, the shrimp. And uh, so Captain Derek's like, hey, you got any live shrimp? And he's like, no. He's like, oh, man, that's what they're eating. That's what they're hitting on. <laughs> it's like a little, little, little payback there. Uh, but it was pretty cool. Uh, he was kind of telling them, you know, it's like when, then when the bite slowed down and we had our box, we had our limits of uh, – the the uh, flounder sorry I don't know how I lost that word there for a second but so we had our limit of really good ones and he just kept you know Captain Derek just kept reiterating like man it's not we don't this is insane 
it, it's one thing to get like one really good one, one twenty incher, but he's like to have a limit of them is just. He's like, this has never happened for for us. Like, cause you don't. This is crazy. I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, little little full little full confidence kind of thing. I was just having fun with him. Like, well, you know, uh, that's the full scale effect. <laughs> he's like, man, you're good luck. He's like, um, you know what? You want to try something? I'm like, I'm down for whatever, dude. I'm I'm just here having a good time. Today is already a success. Uh, whatever you want to do, you want to sit here and, and get some more content and for your page and smash some flounder and hopefully book you a few more trips. We could definitely do that. I'm up for whatever. He's like, well, we can go over here and he's kind of talking to Vinny. He's like, we can go get some uh, get some bait, get some uh, catch some white trout, and then we can go out to this other spot where we have at times caught some black drum and i was like i'm definitely down to give that a shot because black drum now i've caught small black drum which they look for those that don't know black drum in the ocean look exactly like what we call sheephead up here the freshwater drum like almost they look like almost exactly except they get ginormous like huge so I want to catch one of those big ones and uh, still haven't done that. And again, we get those in the Carolinas. We've never gone for them. We've never accidentally caught them. Not any like giant ones. So I was like, yeah, let's check that off the list. I'm like, I'm definitely down to give that a try. So we, we leave the, the harbor there, you know, and, and he kind of tells the other guide like, Hey, go ahead and come swim in this spot. Well, the interesting thing is as soon as we started to move, there was other boats that we could see like out on the opposite side of the channel. And they were just kind of watching. Cause this little cut that we were in in front of this restaurant, there's only so many, so much room for boats. And then we had one off to our right and that other guy off to the left. And that's pretty much max, like what you can fit in there. So as soon as they saw that we were moving, they started to move in. <laughs> and he's, uh, it's kind of cool. So with the network of charter fishermen out there, you know, he noticed one of the other guys coming into the other charters. He's like, oh, hold on. So instead of just straight backing out, he kind of positioned the boat sideways, made it look like he was just um, resetting kind of, because we did do that a little bit the way when the tide was working and what it would push us a little too close to the seawall, so we'd back out, reset the anchor. So he was kind of making it look like that, and that kind of turned – some of the other boats and then that allowed that other charter to kind of get in and then he turned and he's like yeah you owe me <laughs> played a little defense for him uh that was that was pretty cool uh but i like that little element like how the all the charters know each other and and they don't give away all the secrets but if somebody's having a tough day they'll actually they'll definitely help them even to the point like you know trade baits if they if they needed to because he asked him he's like hey you got fresh shrimp he's like yeah use that he's like okay so that was pretty cool. So we, we back out of there, and then uh, we get up on plane. We go a little bit further this time than we did getting into there and go into this other little cut, and then now we find he turns on the his electronics, and he's like, I'm looking for bait balls and stuff like that, and we find him, and so we go to set up to catch some bait. The problem was there was, like, a big ship off to our left, and it had all the, I don't know what they were doing, but it had all the, the water was just roiled up. It was just like chocolate milk and swirling around in there. And, and we could see the fish down there, but he's like, well, I don't think we're going to get any here. This is just, so, you know, we, we fished for, I don't know, 20 minutes maybe trying to, trying to get some of these. And we, you know, casting out for them. It wasn't working. And he's like, well, let's get right over on top of them and try to vertical jig them. And then that didn't work. And he's like, well, let's just head out to the spot. Let's go out there. There's, We got one dead um, white trout in the box. We'll cut that up as bait, and uh, we'll just give it a shot. So we go out there, and we tie up this big pole. I think he actually called the spot like the pole. I think that's what he called it anyways. So tied up there, and the, and the current's ripping through there pretty good. I had to put another weight on my rig. Um, not using Now I'm not using artificials. Now I'm just using, now I'm using light bait. Well, actually, I'm using cut bait. So he put a little cut chunk of that on threw one of his big rods out and in case we do get a uh, black drum and then we're gonna try to catch and you can see you can on electronics there's smaller bait fish down there so we can try to catch some of these white trouts and uh so doing that you just cast up up current the current swings it down try to keep a tight line i was getting a couple little bites couldn't set the hook and uh kind of at this point 
it was like muscle memory was kicking in as far as like casting and working and I wasn't really fishing so much anymore as I was hanging out with the guys and just having we were having a phenomenal time like Captain Derek and Vinny are just awesome so we were just talking about this and everything Vinny's from originally from Michigan he used to guide up there and now he's down and guiding down there so getting his whole story and Interesting stuff. I mean, as much as you could ask for, as far as good conversation goes, on any fishing trip, uh, it was a ton of fun. I ended up losing my little chunk of cut bait, so then I just went to shrimp. Um, and I was like, well, I don't know. These aren't probably going to stay on the hook very good, which they didn't. But and I just kept working it. There's nothing better to do, you know, I'm out there. And eventually, boom, oh, oh, got one. Little, little, uh, I don't know, what say, six, seven inches maybe, a little uh, white trout. And I wasn't sure... I think they call them sand trout or white trout. And I was like, I wasn't sure. Because people call things the same fish different names in different parts of the country. So I don't know if this is just going to be like a whiting or a croaker of some sort. Some other kind of like bait fish. But, well, they're called white trout because they, they're they a white trout. I mean, they look just like a speckled sea trout. Only they're smaller and they don't have any speckles. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're just white, so they're a white trout. It makes sense. Uh, so we said, all right. So he reels in his the the big rig, hooks on that live one, throws it back out there. I continue to fish for some more bait, um, and then I just wasn't getting anything. Got snagged up a couple times. I had to put on a new new bait or, or a new weight. Didn't lose the hook, just the weight. And all right, I was getting small tabs, but they were just stripping the. Um, the bait off and so finally i just put the rod down i'm like all right we got one live one out there we're not out here to catch bait we just we needed one hope set there's a drum out here and uh, we'll just do that so put the rod in the rod holder and just sat back and enjoyed the during the camaraderie joined the conversation and um and that's what we did and then you know the day started wearing on we weren't getting any hits he's like well Let's back it up. So that's what we did. We headed in. So we didn't get the didn't get to check the big black drum off the list. But the day was that would have been just above and beyond bonus for sure. Had I can't even tell you how much fun I had. And those guys are just awesome. So the fish we're gonna keep them and and um I was like, well you can have them because I don't have any way to get them home. I don't have a cooler. I don't have nothing. He's like, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Hold on. So he we get back and he calls up. Um, they clean the fish up. So he calls, and he's like, I know down the road there's a place called the Hui Hui Hut. And he's like, I know the owner, blah, 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 blah. And so he calls him up, and he's like, hey, you know, we need a place to record this podcast. He's like, yeah, you can use the back bar area. That's That'll be cool. And he's like, we got some uh, some fresh flounders, got some big ones, dude. And he was like, you know, bragging about how good of a day we had. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's cool. So we're going to meet there do the podcast they're going to cook up the fish for us i was like that's awesome uh and so that's what we did and i met him there took a little bit of a break let him go home shower up and uh come back and then as we met there i set up the podcast equipment in the bar and we started to record came out with our fish i had broccoli and rice and oh man they they, kind of did in a couple different ways they blackened a couple fillets and then they fried a couple fillets and it was awesome. I mean, it was just, I'd, I've had flounder before in a restaurant. I've ordered it, and it's good. Nice, white, flaky meat, you know, kind of like walleye is good. But I can definitely tell, like, the difference from having it super fresh like that. Oh, man, was it good. It was so good. Um, not all you walleye guys there are going to be mad at me, but it's, it's definitely better than walleye. I mean, it was, oh. Man, and I've had fresh wallet. I've had it where, and I was telling Derek, Captain Derek, this too. In a wheelhouse, Lake of the Woods, or not, or just a actually it was a permanent shack out on Lake of the Woods with um, a couple of buddies, and we're just, you know, we had a really good morning just slaying fish, and so we started cleaning some up, and because it was about lunchtime, like, well, let's just let's have fresh fish, and so I cleaned up what we had, and I started frying that up, and I got through all that, and so as I'm frying fish, they're catching fish, and they would just swing it over to me i take it clean it rinse it dredge it right into the hot pan i mean you can't get any fresher than that and uh so that was pretty good but it wasn't as good as this like this was phenomenal and those big 20 inch uh, flounder had really good uh, fillets on them uh, so that was awesome and then uh we recorded 
great conversation. Like I was saying, he could easily have his own podcast. He is a talker. Uh, that episode will come out this Thursday, and when you listen to it, you can you'll hear towards the end where I I try to wrap it up a few times and fail. Like we just keep talking because uh, there was a band that was getting ready to set up, and they're you know wanted to start playing some music, and I was like, hey, let's we need to get cut this short. I, I mean, I could talk to you for twelve hours straight, easy, no problem. Uh, but I want to. They're they're waiting on us at this point, so let's wrap it up. And I tried wrapping up a bunch of times, and uh, he just wasn't having it. It wasn't so much that he wasn't having it. It was just that we were having such a good time. Conversation was that good, and uh, that's just how it went. So uh, very successful trip. Uh, hopefully I can get him up here. He says they're pretty slow in December and uh, or January and February. Like They don't really have much for trips down there. That's kind of like his off-season. I said, well, dude, I know you're from the south. I know you're afraid of cold weather, but come on up. You need to experience ice fishing at some point in time. Get you in the Yeti. It, you won't be, you know, he's like, I don't do well with cold, and my joints are all messed up. I'm like, dude, you'll be fine. You're going to go from a warm truck to a warm ice house. You're going you're gonna to love it. He's like, oh, I'll have to do that. So I'm going to stay on him. I'm going to stay on him. Hopefully I can convince him to come up and uh, we'll end up doing a little trade trip kind of a thing. So, Hopefully that happens. So there you go. There's your your recap. And now for the rant. Chris Wallow's down there. I've <sighs> been doing good with this, not getting too into debates. But I recently found myself in a debate on two separate threads, two separate subjects with a vegan. And it's just, you want to talk about smashing your head against the wall. They are a stubborn bunch. <laughs> like, they will not... They don't give an inch. It's not a debate. It's just them waiting for their turn to talk, and they're right, you're wrong. It's definitely like a fanatical religion, 100%. Um, I think the one was about the wolves, and I know I recently talked about that, so I'm not going to rant about that. But this one was over um, an article that came up on Facebook about uh, Rochester's, the, the geese down in Rochester. And I guess this coming spring, they got some people that are, uh, basically some volunteers that are going to do what's called egg addling, which is, I think what most people call it, it's like oiling eggs. I think there's other ways they do it. But basically, um, they chase the geese off the nest or when they're just gone feeding or whatever. They go and they, they do certain things to just make sure that the egg doesn't continue to, to develop. The embryo inside doesn't continue to develop. And the goose isn't any the wiser. So it goes back, sits on its eggs. They're not going to hatch. Um because if, if you just take the eggs or they know that you messed with them, they'll abandon that nest and they'll just go reclutch. They'll just lay other fresh eggs and you've done nothing but waste your time. So that's what egg addling is. So this the headline here says Rochester's egg addling brigade will be mobilized next spring. And so that was the post that was um, put on there. Well, going into the comments, like the article itself is like, a paragraph long like it's it's there's hardly anything there um but of course in the comments is where things got heated up and I, i've done a fairly good job of not engaging in like political debates and and stuff like that because i just know you never you're not going to change anybody's minds but i'll admit like this is this is my weakness <laughs> this is when when people are like anti hunting or they just say stuff that's so absurdly wrong, naive and ignorant, like oh, it just like hits that nerve in my spine and I and my fingers start typing. Like I just I can't not comment. And that's what happened with this and it just went on a back and forth as this person and trying to find different ways of like getting the point across, and she's just not having it. Of course, the whole time, I'm the idiot, I'm uneducated, and it's like, really, lady? You, you're, I'm uneducated when it comes to geese? Not saying that I'm the end-all, know-all of, of goose biology, but I'd like to think I know a thing or two. I've been paying attention to geese for quite some time now, and I like to go fish, or uh, not fish nerd, but goose bird nerd on it, and... um you know, I know how they breed, where they breed, their life cycle. I'm, I'm pretty confident. 
I know more about geese than this person does, but that did not matter. Does not matter. And the the comment that triggered me, hashtag triggered, was, and it was like the first few words right out of the gate. She comments, hunting is dangerous and therefore prohibited. I was like, wait, hunting isn't dangerous. Statistically speaking, hunting is not dangerous. <laughs> All right, that's just an absurd comment right there. Unless you're a goose. I mean, if you're a goose, hunting is very dangerous. But as a person, it's not really that dangerous. Accidents do happen, but they don't happen that often. And it's definitely, you know, because her, her point was, she's like, hunting is dangerous and therefore prohibited in residential area. As far as like, because somebody was like, why don't we just hunt these more to control their uh, numbers? It's like, what's well, in town, so you can't do that. And it's like, okay, yeah, there's firearms, I get it. But there are certain fields in town, and the people listening from Rochester, this is, oh, you know more about this than I do for sure. I don't I don't live down there, but I'm uh, peripherally, peripherally, not a hard word, not an easy word, uh, aware of the situation down there. Uh, but anyways, so she, she goes on. Uh, prohibited areas. Additionally, USDA studies have shown that carcinogens and neurotoxins in the geese flesh have potential reproductive and developmental consequences for people who consume the geese. All that is complete and utter bullshit. And that's all like, oh, we're dealing with a vegan here. This is the same bullshit vegan propaganda they love to spit out. So that just, I mean, you want to talk about it just went crazy from there. And her arguments are just so lame. And then when I would come back and I would hit her with science, <laughs> she would just ignore it like it never happened. And then, you know, you always break it down to like when they start getting on their moral high ground about sentient beings. And it's like, listen, there's evidence out there that points to some plant life could possibly be sentient and then she totally dismisses that because she has to like there's no way she could give any credibility to that it would destroy not only her argument but her, her entire um uh ideology so she's not going to do that like <laughs> but it's just so crazy to me how they can be so obtuse and so stubborn and just stick to like it's it's unbelievable it, you might as well if on a perfectly bluebird day I pointed to the sky and said the sky is blue, she would say no, it's not. <laughs> or if, if actually the more the thing would be more analogous to be like fight the sky is blue and this is why, you know it's our ah uh, oh, can't think of the word uh, atmosphere. Thank you. The atmosphere, you know, reflecting the water and that's why it's blue and blah blah blah. You know that's why it's blue. And she would say no, it's not. It's blue because, I don't know, Mother Nature wants it to be blue. I don't know what her argument would be for but she would find one. And it definitely wouldn't be what I said. She was just Captain Opposite. Uh, and so I just tried letting go, but couldn't. This kept going on and on and on. So if uh, you want some good entertainment, um, go to the Minnesota Waterfowlers page. Was that that? I think it was. Or I don't know. No, it was um, Nicholas Pearson posted this posted and then that's where it it started after that so nicholas must know this lisa girl somehow connected so i thought maybe it was on like minnesota naturalist group page but it's not so i'm not quite sure how you're gonna find it hmm. well if you go to my page um dale luganbill and you can look at it should say like dale commented on just go to my timeline you should be able to find it it's uh it's fairly entertaining this person clearly doesn't know what she's talking about but definitely comes across as like she does and it's just it's absurd um but anyways like it got me thinking about this egg addling oiling the eggs or whatever it's like probably is the only it's it's not a bad thing like i'm not against it like whatever can control the numbers control the numbers um the the irony or the ignorant part of it is like they don't want you to kill geese but they'll keep some from being hatched you know like it's still killing <laughs> i mean i don't want to turn this into like an abortion anti-abortion pro-abortion thing because uh, I, I definitely want nothing to do with that argument but point being like they're trying to control the numbers and the thing is and i brought this up of course in the debate but 
a fall hunting season wouldn't really do anything because now we know like geese movements, you know, through geo tracking, through band reports, all from hunters, by the way. Um, we know kind of like they're like the geese coming through in the fall aren't necessarily and most likely aren't the true residents of an area. And the only way to go after true residents, in my opinion, I could this can be some bro science, I'll fully admit it. But from what I understand, the only way you could really target a, a resident geese, the ones that are going to be in your city all summer long, shitting on the parks, causing the mess, is to have a spring hunt. Once they are there, they're paired up, like this is where they're going to live for the summer you know, before they grow up and disperse and wherever they go, they go. Um, but this, that's the only time you'd be able to do it. And I'm all for a spring hunting season for sure. Um, but one of the problems with the egg addling could be, now this is just a could be, be and it would be dependent upon weather. It's still not 100% because they could lay a clutch and you could go in there and you could halt the development of the embryos and that's all fine and good and they're sitting on them but then if you get a late spring storm like we got um two years ago or three years ago and so it like dumps a bunch of snow well that makes them abandon the nest and then that snow melts off and then they reclutch and so it's not you could spend all that time and all that money going out there to do this and it's not a for sure thing because there is still a possibility that that breeding couple could reclutch or even so and this is this is far more likely and probably happens a lot is you could do the egg addling you could oil the eggs do whatever to stop the embryo from progressing and then some sort of predator comes in skunk fox raccoon and whatever and destroys the nest eats the eggs the geese are going to depending on what time of year it is the geese are going to reclutch and so it's definitely not a hundred percent thing uh, I'm and again I want I want to be clear like I'm not against it like whatever can help get, have a steady population then let's let's do that and there's no reason it has to be one or the other it doesn't have to be only egg addling and no hunting or only hunting and no egg addling like why not do both if you really want to put the dent in the local numbers but that's the thing is like with the hunting like of course I tried to get this across and it went nowhere is dead geese <laughs> don't lay eggs like a dead goose cannot reclutch right is that that's they're done and once you get to that stage of spring where the geese are paired up they're not going to go find a new mate they're that's even if you only shoot one of that pair that's it those those birds aren't going to reproduce that year and again even with the egg addling so you could maybe you're successful you you stop that year's clutch so but you don't kill those two parents. Well, those parents are more unlikely imprinted on that area. They're going to keep coming back, which is why they call them, you know, residents. So next spring, they're going to come back and lay a nest, and they likely won't pick that exact same nest area for a multitude of reasons, weather conditions at that time, or maybe they learn that once they, if they've already lost a clutch there, they're going to pick a different, safer, if you will, nesting site. So that same pair can then successfully reproduce the next year you know um if you kill them they can't do that <laughs> they are done now a new pair will probably take their place um but I, th I would think with some sort of special spring season and i don't know how you do that i don't know how you do that in the city limits you're either gonna have but there are some wild areas there are some bigger areas where you could definitely you know there are still some ag fields within rochester you could open it up you could have a special spring season without having to worry about people you could authorize um pellets pellet guns i mean you could just snipe them off i mean you're not dealing with large flocks of geese at this time anyways you're dealing with you know groups of paired up geese so you could Go down to a waterway, sit on a muskrat hut, and uh, just snipe them off. It'd be pretty easy. Or let archers do it. Or I mean, there's there's things you could do to take care of them. Or even if, well, obviously I'm for hunters doing it, buying a license, putting that back into the resources versus 
taxpayers having to foot the bill, but taxpayers could do it. They could net these things and euthanize them. There's there's a ton of different ways that can go about this, uh, but for some reason, the egg addling is the one that they can they're cooler with, I guess, in their head about doing. So that's that's where we're at with that. But so there's my rant. I don't know if I gave any solutions, but it, it's just it was kind of entertaining to. Uh, well, it wasn't. It was probably entertaining for you guys to read it, but it wasn't entertaining to be in it because, like I said, it's like smashing your face against the wall and expecting it to not hurt. Because <laughs> talking to those people is just—it's just a dead end. It's just—it's just unbelievable. But all right, everybody, that is your weekend recap and rant. How'd everybody do? Go on to Facebook, the uh, Full Scale Outdoors uh, group page on Facebook. Post up your fishing pictures from this last weekend. Let me see what you got. Or uh, if you went goose hunting. I know Nick J went on a little adventure uh, out west somewhere with shooting geese with his brother. So I'll be uh, excited to get his story there. So we'll have Waterfall Wednesday coming up uh, this week. I'm sure you get to hear all about that. And then uh, stay tuned because Thursday I'll drop the episode uh, with Real Men Charters and Captain Derek. So it was a really good one. You're going to enjoy it. Great conversation. Uh, It was a good time. And hopefully I can get him up here and do some ice fishing and we can do it again. That would be awesome. This weekend coming up, uh, back to upper Midwest stuff, I'm going to be ice fishing. And uh, the plan is is to hook up with uh, the ladies of the north, for lack of a better term to call the group. But uh, Nicole Stone, uh, Hannah Stonehouse-Hudson, and Anna on Ice uh, set it up to go fishing with them somewhere. I have no idea what we're going to do or what we're going to fish for. But the plan is to spend a day on the ice with them and then uh, record a podcast. So that'll be this weekend's adventure. Looking forward to that. Everybody, be safe out there. Uh, be smart on that uh, first ice. If you ever want to go south, take a break, definitely look up Real Men Fishing Charters in Galveston, Texas. You will not be disappointed. Had a ton of fun. All right, that's all I got for you this week. Thanks for listening to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. Whatever your passion, pursue it full scale. 